You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Next week, we are voting on a new senior pastor candidate, which is not my position. It's the person who is in charge of all of Kensington. I want to give you a few more details about that. But first, we have a video from him and his wife. His name is Brian and Becca Mallory. Um, Just to let you know a little bit about what it is they think what the church is and the future needs of the church. And actually, the future needs aren't of it in there. Why they love the church. I knew part of it was there. But we're going to go ahead and watch that video first. And then I'll come back and talk about that vote coming up. So let's go ahead and watch this together now. Hello, Kensington Church. My name is Brian, and I'm here with my wife, Becca, and we wanted to share with you just a few things. We wanted to share a little bit about our family so you can get to know us. We also wanted to share about our love for the church. We have a real passion for the church, and we wanted to share that with you, and also our excitement for this church called Kensington Church. And so we want to tell you first a little bit about our family. Yes, it's so great to be able to be here. I'm excited for you to be able to meet our family. We have four daughters. Our oldest daughter is McKenna. She's just this amazing older big sister. She's 16 years old and just got her driver's license, so she's very independent now. Uh, We have a 15-year-old named Nora who is a a great encourager and just a passionate lover of life. Our 12-year-old is named Reese, and she's very, just like her name means, enthusiastic. She's very enthusiastic and passionate and artistic. And then our last daughter, her name is Bria, and uh, Bria is 10 years old, and Bria is our sports enthusiast, particularly hockey. She absolutely loves hockey. She plays hockey. She just worships her father because he was a hockey player too, and uh, so that you guys share that passion a lot together. We have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. We're so excited for you to to meet our family. Mm -hmm. Uh, The girls have been on a great journey with us as we've just discerned what the Lord is calling us to and calling us here to Kensington. You know, we love the church. Uh, We're passionate about the church. We serve the church, and we really believe that God has his favor upon the church. He's chosen to use his people. That really is what the church is. It's the people of God coming together Uh, to live out the calling of Jesus. And so we're just so passionate about that, and we've seen the Lord use the church in amazing ways. And so we just wanted to share a few reasons why we think the church is so important. Mm. Yeah, you know, the first reason why I love the church is that it's a place where everybody can belong. I think people are really looking for a place to belong, a place to call home, a place to call family. And, um, and the church is that. And I think that's so important where people can connect with one another and we can do community. You can find the support and the belonging that we really all need. Yeah, in a world that's been pulled apart so much, mm. I think the church has a real opportunity in this moment to show the world what it looks like to love one another. Another reason we believe the church is so important, why we're so passionate about the church is because it's in the context of being a part of the family of God where we grow in the things of God. Yeah. And, you know, there's always room for us to grow. Maybe you've been following Jesus for 50 years. Maybe you haven't yet made a decision to follow Jesus. All of us have room to grow. Yes. To know greater the ways of Jesus, his heart for others. Um, he's always molding and shaping always, yeah. us. And this is an exciting thing because the more that we get to know Jesus, the more that we allow him to mold and shape us, the more useful we become, and also I think the more we get to experience and encounter 
his presence together. And then lastly, um, we love the church and we are passionate about the church because it is missional. I hope you know that you have an incredible call on your life. You have purpose, you have destiny, and you have plans that God has called you to that will impact you and impact the world. I think that's really exciting. And uh, he has called us to love God and love others. He has called us to go and make disciples. And I'm really excited about that because he doesn't send us alone. He sends us with the power of his spirit to work in and through us. And it transforms us and it transforms the world around us. And if you want to get excited about what that looks like, read the book of Acts. Make a commitment to read through Acts and what the disciples experienced. Jesus said that same spirit that that you see in the early church that is a spirit of God that we have and so he wants to do incredible things in and through us as we say yes to him yeah you know oftentimes we can lose hope when we don't have purpose when we yes. lack purpose and so I'm so thankful for the church and how the Lord has set us up as the family of mm -hmm. God because he's given us a great purpose and we know the Lord has great things in store for us we love that passage of how, you know, the Lord wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And the Lord has done that in Kensington Church's life. He's done immeasurably more than probably you could have ever thought or imagined. And he's going to continue to do that. We can't wait to be with you and to see all that the Lord wants to do. Bless you all. So if you have been around for a while, you've had a couple of opportunities to either hear Brian give a message or attend a midweek, and our congregational vote for them is coming up a week from today. So next Sunday, while we have baptisms in that service, we are also going to give you all the opportunity to vote. There's going to be a little special meeting kind of in the service for the senior candidate, Pastor Affirmation of Brian Mowry that you just saw here. So what that means is to vote, you actually have to do it during our service times for those of you watching online, you can do it online or be in the room here. I think it runs from about 9 to 1230. So we want to encourage you to do that. But also we have one more opportunity for you to have the chance to hear from Brian. Him and his wife, Becca, are going to be at our Troy campus this Wednesday. And we're going to have a town hall where we get together. First, we're going to have a little bit of time of worship. All of our worship arts directors are going to be there. So that part is going to be fantastic. But then after that, we're going to have the opportunity to have questions asked of them from um, uh, that have been prepared, and also you have some of your own questions asked. But we need you to register for that because we're going to have a little time of refreshment beforehand. So to do that, please go to the link on the screen and let us know that you will be coming so that we can prepare accordingly. It's a pretty exciting time in the life of our church. Now to have a new senior leader coming to uh, mobilize and come around all the six campuses and help us push together. I'm excited. I'm excited for Brian's skill set and the abilities that he has. I think that God has positioned him to to come into our church right now in this time and place. So if you have any questions, check out the website. There's a page dedicated to Brian with some of his sermons and other messages if you want to check those out as well. So I've said a lot of things, so you guys are going to need to stretch for a minute. So why don't you stand up, shake each other's hands, and then Sam Anderson's going to come and lead us this morning. Well, hey, good morning. My name is Sam. Super glad uh, to be here with you guys. Uh, I'm a teaching pastor here at Kensington, and so uh, like Adam said, we're in this series that launched last week. How many of you guys were able to be here last week? Any of you? Last Sunday morning? Okay, last Sunday was kind of a cool Sunday. We actually had uh, the guy that was in that video, Brian Mowry, speaking. He was speaking out at our Lake Orion campus, 
And uh, we were able to like kind of live stream it to all the different campuses. So he was live in the room in Orion and then you guys watched on screens here and at Troy and at Birmingham and at Clarkston and up in Traverse City. And so it was kind of a cool moment for our church as a whole to sort of be connected to one another. We were all kind of singing the same songs at the same time, listening to the same message. And so it was really, really cool. So last week, Brian launched our series that we're calling Immeasurably More. And immeasurably more comes from a passage out of the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is in your New Testament, and essentially what it is, it's this guy in the first century named Paul who started a bunch of churches. And he would start a church, and then go start another church, and then write letters back to the other churches that he started, saying, hey, here's how you're cool with Jesus, here's how you progress in your faith journey, here's uh, some things maybe you're struggling with that I can maybe help you out with and point you to Jesus and all these sorts of things. And so in his letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus, which is now sort of like a modern-day Turkey region. He wrote in uh, chapter 3, verse 20, he had this prayer that he was writing to them. And in his prayer, he said, God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. I mean, that's a pretty big deal because I can ask a lot of stuff. And I can imagine some pretty big things. And so Paul felt the need to write this church in Ephesus and say, hey, all these things that you're thinking through, all these things that you're struggling with, all these new horizons that you're finding in your faith journey and as you're following Jesus, he says, God can do immeasurably more than you could ever think or imagine. And so Brian coming in as the new senior leader, some of you are here for the first time today and you're like, okay, who's this Brian guy and what does that mean? Who was the guy that was just talking? That was Adam. Adam is the campus pastor here. He's the lead pastor at Clinton Township. Brian's coming in as the senior leader who is the guy who is like over the different senior lead pastors at each campus. And so Brian coming in is ushering in sort of a new season here at Kensington. And if you've been around at all, you know that we've been in transition here for the last number of years right? As Steve, Dave, and Mark, our founders, sort of transitioned out. It's been this season of transition. And so with this new senior leader coming in, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of new. It's, man, what's this new ground we can take? What's this, the, the, the new season that God has of challenges and accomplishments, and how can we get on God's page for this next season moving forward? And so in doing that, we thought, okay, well, let's do a, a, a series, a three-week series, going through the mission statement of Kensington to sort of refocus all of us. And so that's what Brian launched into last week when he talked through immeasurably more of Jesus. And so I'm gonna jump into the next phase of that in just a few minutes, but before we do that, we always like to pause every time we get together and just honor those of you who have continued to partner with us through your generosity. You know, because of you guys being on mission with us, your consistent giving and generosity, it makes everything that Kensington does possible from the six campuses here to the global, the 10 global partners that we have all over the world to the 50 plus different move out networks that we have and ways to serve locally and regionally, even globally, all the way to the point where like my kids are in the back right now in, in the K Kids wing, learning about Jesus, learning how to follow Jesus with age specific content all the way up. All of that stuff is made possible because of your generosity because you guys partnering with us on mission and buying into the vision that God has called us to. So we're doing a series focusing on the mission statement of Kensington. Does anyone in here, just by show of hands maybe, how many of you know what the mission statement of, of Kensington is? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. Let me see. Hand, raise them high. Let me see. Okay, those of you who maybe been around a minute, some OGs. All right. 
Can you guys tell me what the mission statement is? It's one thing to raise your hand, it's another to say it out loud, huh? What do we got? Anybody know it? Okay, yeah, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, yeah, I'm hearing bits and pieces. What was it over here? Oh, hey, come on now. My man in the red shirt, what's your name? Gary, Gary knows it, guys. Gary knows it. Let's hear it for Gary. Gary, how long, how long you been at Kensington? Oh, Barry with a B. Sorry, dude. I played drums my whole life. It's like, it, it gets jumbled, you know? I frustrate my wife regularly. How long you been coming to Kensington? 10 years or so, okay. All right, Barry, I see you, Barry. All right, cool, excellent. So I'm gonna put it up on the screen for the rest of us who can't hear like myself. Um, it's this, to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. To see everyone, one is in sort of like italics or parentheses or brackets or whatever those are called. Um, to signify the idea of Jesus leaving the 99, pursuing the one, right? And that we're always having a heart for the one, the one that's never been, the one that's been here for five minutes, the one that's been here for 10 years. We're all the one. And so how do we find the one and how do we point them to Jesus so that they can be transformed and mobilized? And so Brian laid the foundation last week when he talked about immeasurably more of Jesus. We need immeasurably more of Jesus because Jesus is the one that's transforming. Jesus is the one that's mobilizing. And so when we encounter Jesus, the automatic response should be transformation. And then the automatic overflow of transformation should be mobilization, get put into practice, and we start living this stuff out. And so Brian set the stage last week with immeasurably more of Jesus, and I'm gonna talk through today this idea of being transformed, of transformation. And so as I was thinking about transformation, I was like, okay, what are some kind of, I don't know, some examples of transformation. And I thought, you know, there's such a beautiful example of transformation when you have the caterpillar, right? You get this cute little caterpillar, and then it goes into a cocoon, and then it comes out as what? A butterfly, and it has wings, and it's beautiful, and you're like, ah, oh, transformation, right? Are you guys catching the vibes, right? Do you, do you see it right now? That's, that's what I was feeling this week as I was thinking through transformation, like, Ah, butterfly. But then I also thought of like, you know, some major transformations that we could think through, like Hootie and the Blowfish <laughs> becoming Darius Rucker. You know? That's a pretty big transformation that took place over these last 20 years, right? We started with like a only one baby with you, right? You got that over here. And then you got like rock me baby like a wagon wheel over here that's just so good, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like that's some serious transformation that took place. Some other transformation I was thinking through is like many of you like pre-coffee and post-coffee every day, right? Like you're a completely different person, a lot of you pre-coffee and then you have your coffee and then you've been transformed into the human being that we all interact with, you know? The first one's reserved only for your spouse, you know? It's a great thing. I, I'm thinking about transformation. Uh, another one that's like actually real, like seeds, you plant seeds and then it transforms into a plant or transforms into food. I was thinking of an, <laughs> oh gosh, I was thinking of another transformation this week. You ever see those dudes that are like, uh, have these like big burly beards, right? And you're like, wow, what a stud. Like that guy looks like a lumberjack model. You know, have you ever seen the type? They got these nice formed beards and then they shave their beard and they literally look like the predator, right? Or like an octopus and you're sitting there going, 
wait, whoa, where, whoa, like that's a transition or tra- tra- that's a transformation. Or, or some ladies that maybe wear a lot of makeup and then you see them without the makeup and you're like, is that the same person? Hmm, right, right? Am I gonna get in trouble for that? I didn't run that one by my wife before I said it. Well, I say this all the time. If you have issue, email me at adam.karshner at kensingtonchurch.org. I'd love to hear how angry you are about anything, really, everything. That would be great. Send me all the emails this week. But transformation, really, transformation is, it's, it's a change in form, right? It's a, it's a change in essence. It's a becoming. Oftentimes, transformation is a process. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to look at two stories from the Bible where two guys, rich guys, have this opportunity to be transformed. They encounter Jesus and they have an opportunity to be transformed. And so the first one, your Bibles call him the rich young ruler. And many of you have probably heard this story if you've been around church at all, but this passage is found in Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 22. And essentially, Jesus is talking, he's teaching, and his reputation has you know, gotten out and people are gathering to hear him teach about the way and he's teaching, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and he's talking about eternal life and he's talking about you know, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven and how it's so different than the empires of this world. And so Jesus is teaching and at the end of one of his teachings, this guy comes up. And again, the scriptures call him a rich young ruler. Chances are he was part of this group called the Sanhedrin, which the Sanhedrin was an elected group of officials that was anywhere from like 23 to 71 elders. And they were to cover a certain region or a certain area of the land. And they were like sort of the ruling uh, body of elders in that community. And so chances are this guy had climbed the ranks pretty quick and he was rich, he was wealthy, he was a man of influence, a man of power. And so he comes to Jesus after one of his teachings and he says, hey man, check it out. What do I gotta do to have what you're talking about? What do I have to do to experience what you're saying? How do I have eternal life? How do I get into the kingdom of heaven? How do I become a part of what you're talking about? What do I need to do? And so Jesus comes back at him and he gives him like seven of the 10 commandments roughly. He comes back, he's like, oh man, all right, so like don't steal, don't cheat, uh, you know, do these things, uh, love your neighbor as yourself, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Which this guy comes back to Jesus and is like, oh, really? Total, like I'm, I'm doing that, like I'm in, that's, that's great. I'm accomplishing those things, that's fine. But the reality is, Jesus, here's the deal, I still feel like there's something else. I feel like I've been checking the boxes that you're telling me to check, and, and, but I still feel like there's more. And so Jesus comes back and he's like, all right, cool. Now we're getting somewhere. He says, here's what you need to do then. You need to take all your possessions and give them to the poor. You need to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. And I can just imagine the wind and the sails of this rich young ruler just completely deflating. He goes, ooh, yeah, ooh, man. Can you say that one more time? One more time, just, can you say that again? <laughs> right? Jesus is like, yeah, that, that's what you need to do. You need to get rid of all your possessions, you need to give it to the poor, and then come follow me. You have an opportunity for transformation here. You have an opportunity to go from checking the boxes to actually changing your life. Are you in? And the rich young ruler goes, nah, man, I'm out. That's not for me. The scriptures say that he walked away incredibly burdened and saddened. Like he was super bummed out that it was gonna have to cost himself something 
to be cool with Jesus. It's going to cost him something to have what Jesus is talking about. And so he walks away. He says, no, nah, man, I'm just going to keep checking the boxes. I'm going to keep doing the Ten Commandments. I'm going to keep my social status. I'm going to keep all the things that I've worked so hard to accomplish and to gather for myself, and I'm not willing to make the sacrifices it's going to take to experience the transformation you're talking about. And then we got this other rich guy in the Bible. And this was a guy named Zacchaeus. And so Zacchaeus, um, this, this passage is found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It tells the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you guys sang the Zacchaeus song in kids' church? Come on, be honest. How many, raise your hands high. Let me see. Let me see. Okay, look around. Look around. No, raise them high. Those are the people, number one, that are going to heaven. Number two, need an extra dose of prayer. Okay, because they've experienced some trauma in church. I can tell you that right now, right? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Yeah? He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Anyone? Right? And then the Lord walks over and he's like, Zacchaeus, you come down. Because I'm going to your house today. Because I'm going to your house today. Hey! Right? Yeah? Is that, that's, is that the same song that you sang as a child? Yes? Okay. So we're all in this trauma boat together? Yeah? All right, Perfect. So that's the story of Zacchaeus, basically, right? There's this chief tax collector. So a tax collector in, in, in those days was a guy that was chosen from the Jewish people because the Jewish people were the oppressed people. The Roman Empire is the one ruling. The Roman Empire would choose a Jewish person to tax the Jewish people. And so this person was a, a very sort of social outcast because they weren't good enough to be one of the Romans, but then also all of the Jews didn't like them because honestly what would happen is that these tax collectors, say the taxes were 10 bucks, they'd charge the Jewish people 12 bucks and keep two of the bucks and give the other 10 to the Roman Empire, right? So they were skimming off the top to line their own pockets. And not only was Zacchaeus a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector, meaning he probably had a bunch of minion tax collectors underneath him. So he was just taking off the top of whatever they were taking off the top and so this guy was just taking advantage of people nonstop. He was keeping his own people down and trying to like boost up the empire. And so he finds himself in this weird sort of social context. This is Zacchaeus, super wealthy guy. And obviously he was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. So he hears that Jesus is coming through Jerusalem. Jesus didn't really have any business in Jerusalem. He's just kind of passing through. But his, his reputation had preceded himself. Jesus had been teaching. And so crowds were gathering to hear him teach. He was performing miracles, right? The blind can see water to wine. And some of you are like, yeah, can he do that some more? Amen, hallelujah, right? And so he's doing all these miracles. He's healing people. He's teaching. All of this stuff is going down. And Zacchaeus thinks, man, I want to see Jesus. I want to see what this guy's all about. He's kind of traveling with an entourage. He's kind of doing his thing. And so Zacchaeus goes and he finds him in a sycamore tree. So he goes ahead, Right? And he climbs up in this tree to get a good vantage point to see Jesus pass by. So I want to see what's going on here. I want to experience what all the fuss is about. What's all this noise about? And so he goes up and he climbs up in a sycamore tree. And now Jesus, so there he is waiting for Jesus to just walk by, just to see kind of what's going on. And so then Jesus and his posse are walking through Jerusalem. And I don't know why I think this. Maybe it's my childhood kids' church trauma. But when I envision Jesus, why am I saying this? When I envision Jesus walking through Jerusalem, for some reason, I think of like a step routine. Like him and his disciples are like walking through and they're like, ooh, 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 right? I, I don't know why, but that's how I envision Jesus walking through Jerusalem at this moment, right? Anyone else think that? No? Am I, am I, okay, yeah, you, you, you visualize it. You see it, right? It's like, ooh, Peter, you with me? Yeah, Jesus, right? And they're doing their thing. And so they're walking through and then they come to this tree and Jesus is like, halt! Right? And that's not what happened. 
But they're walking and they see Jesus, they see Zacchaeus up in the tree and Zacchaeus is kind of, you know, waiting to see Jesus. And Jesus looks up and he goes, hey Zacchaeus, can you imagine what Zacchaeus is feeling? Like he's hanging from the tree, right? Like he's looking behind him like, who's he, what, huh? He's like, hey Zacchaeus, come on down, man. Because I'm going to your house today. Because I'm going to your house today, right? He says, I want to come over to your house for lunch. I want to come hang out. And Zacchaeus is like, oh, uh. I mean, first of all, can you imagine? Like, when we have someone come over, like, we know they're coming for weeks. We're cleaning for weeks for that person to come over. Can you imagine, like, Jesus, the Messiah, the main guy, like, whoa, coming to my house. I'm sure he was stressing what his toilets looked like, everything, right? So Zacchaeus comes down from the tree, and they go to his house, and they have a meal. And when they're having this meal, all the religious leaders, the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, all these people around, they're so angry that Jesus is spending time with this guy because he's a social outcast. He's like the worst. No one is like, oh man, Zacchaeus is so great. They're all like angry with him all the time, right? And so Jesus goes and he has lunch with this guy. And at the end of this lunch, Zacchaeus stands up and he makes this proclamation. After spending some time with Jesus, Zacchaeus stands up and he goes, man, he has this self-realization moment. It's like, man, I've been doing this wrong. I've been doing people dirty. He essentially stands up and says, here's the deal. I'm gonna give back everything that I've taken. I'm, I'm, giving all of my, I'm giving half of my goods to the poor. And then anybody that I've skimmed off the top of, anybody that I've ripped off, anyone that I've done wrong, I'm gonna pay them back four times the amount of what I took from them. He says, my life has to change. The way I do things has to change. My heart has been shaped and shifted by spending time with Jesus, and therefore I am experiencing this transformation that I can't go on doing things the way that I've been doing them. I can't go on viewing the world the way that I've been viewing it. I can't go on living the way that I've been living. I gotta make this right. I gotta make a change. It's so much different than just checking the boxes for the rich young ruler. I mean, think about the contrast of these two experiences. Both rich guys walking up to Jesus saying, hey, what's up? The first one's checking boxes. Yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I joined a small group. Yeah, I, I serve with Move Out. Yeah, I volunteer at the Hub once a month. Yeah, I do all the things, of course. But then there's no actual real life change happening in your heart, in your perspective, and in the way that you engage the world. That's the rich young ruler. But then Zacchaeus spends time with Jesus and says, whoa, everything's different. Everything's got to change. My perspective completely has to shift. The way that I engage with the world has to become more like Jesus because I've been doing it wrong. And so when we hear these two stories, these two contrasting stories, the question becomes, you know, how do we experience this kind of transformation? How do we, in the here and now, experience the kind of transformation that Zacchaeus experienced? How do we live that out? How do we go from just checking the boxes like the rich young ruler to being Zacchaeus where our entire life is shaped and fashioned after the heart of God? And it's buried deep down in our soul and then bears fruit in our lives. How do we do this? What needs to happen? And so I came across this quote this week by this guy named Dallas Willard, who's like one of the great theologians of our time. And it says this, he's talking about discipleship and he's talking about transformation. And it says this, I'm gonna say, and it says this one more time and it's gonna appear on the screen. And it says this, <laughs> thanks Josh, appreciate that. Dallas says this, he says, learning how, we need to learn how to be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, how to be like Jesus. We say, so how do we experience transformation? How do we change our heart and our perspective and our life? Well, we need to learn how to be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, how to be like 
Jesus. This is how we experience transformation. It seems kind of simple. We need to be with Jesus. That's what Brian talked about last week, immeasurably more of Jesus. We need to pursue Jesus, spend time with Jesus. So I'm not saying going to church and being in a small group and being part of Move Out and global missions trips and serving at the hub. I'm not saying those are bad things. Those are all opportunities to be with people that are being with Jesus. I'm saying that's fine, but don't get stuck there because that's barely scratching the surface. We need to be with Jesus so we can learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus. The whole idea of, of, of being a Christian or, or a Christ follower is the process of becoming like Jesus, having the heart of Jesus, allowing the teachings of Jesus to shape and form the way that we engage with the world around us. You know, I lead a, a, a book study with um, a bunch of the guys from a bunch of the different campuses here at Kensington. We meet on Thursday mornings. We call ourselves the Theobrogians. You know you're jealous you didn't think of that first. Call ourselves the Theobrogians, right? And we, we Theobro on Thursdays. So we're going through this book right now called Repenting of Religion. It's an old book from 2004 by this guy named Greg Boyd. And we had this conversation actually this Thursday talking about transformation. And this quote comes from the book and it was so powerful to talk through. It says, his concern, Jesus's concern, was not to bring clarity or to ambiguous ethical, religious, or political dilemmas, right? His job wasn't to come and give us the answers that we need to win Facebook arguments. Jesus didn't come to give us, you know, a firepower to win discussions and debates. He didn't come to tell us where we need to stand on these ethical and political dilemmas, but to provide people with a relationship with God that would transform their perspective. See, be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to be like Jesus on all ambiguous dilemmas and on all of life. Jesus' dominant concern was to call us to surrender ourselves completely to him and to walk in obedience to his spirit within us. How do we experience this transformation? Be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, to be like Jesus. You see, I got this guy, came into my life probably 2012. His name's Jerry. Jerry is a mountain of a man. I mean, a mountain of a man. He is huge. His hands are as big as my torso, okay? He is a monster of a human. And the first time Jerry came into our church, uh, he was wearing one of those like Peaky Blinders hats. Anybody seen the show Peaky Blinders? Hey, you should be saying that in church. Come on, y'all, watch a Peaky Blinders. So good though. He was wearing a Peaky Blinder, uh, 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 I don't know, Payne Stewart, one of those like Newsies hats, those newsboy hats, you know what I'm talking about? He's wearing one of those, had a big Guinness patch on the side of it and he walks in and he's just this huge human. His, his dad was in biker gangs his whole life and he was raised a rough and tumble dude. Um, you know, used to run security with like Uncle Cracker and Kid Rock and all that stuff back in the day. Like one of, one of those kind of guys, right? Came to church because his wife made him, made sure I knew that. Really made sure I knew that, that that's why he was there. Jerry was the kind of guy you didn't want to be on the other side of an argument from, right? Like just, just really rough, really rough around the edges. But it's been an amazing journey over the last, you know, 10, 12, whatever years it's been to see Jerry go through some of the toughest things in his life. And for him to open himself up to Jesus 
for him to experience Jesus, for him to embrace Jesus, and to see how God has softened his heart, to see how God has shifted his perspective, to see the transformation that is Jerry. Is he still rough around the edges? Heck yeah. Do you still not want to be on the other side of an argument from him? Absolutely not. But even just a few weekends ago, you know, at our Good Friday and, and Easter services, Tina and Jerry came, and uh, <laughs> Tina didn't walk up with a bag of candy for my kids. It wasn't Tina. Jerry comes up with these little chocolate crosses from Sanders and grinning from ear to ear, couldn't wait to give it to the kids. They give them hugs and tell them Happy Easter and the whole deal. And we went out to dinner afterwards, and he bought us dinner, which had to cost $7,000 because I have so many kids, right? I'm like, Jerry, we don't do this, and this is why, you know? But to see the transformation in that guy's life, to see how God has softened his heart over the years, guys, transformation is possible for you. Doesn't matter how hardened your heart is, doesn't matter the stuff you've been through, doesn't matter all the things you're dealing with. Transformation is possible. Maybe you're in here today and this is like your first time ever. You're just kind of kicking the tires. You're like, whoa, this is heavy, you know? But the reality is this, guys, listen. The invitation is not just to come see Jesus. It's not just to climb in a tree and watch from a distance. The invitation is not even to just encounter Jesus and have a conversation. The invitation is to follow Jesus. The invitation is to be transformed. The invitation is to allow him in. The invitation is to drop whatever you're holding on to that's keeping you from moving forward in your relationship with him. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's anger. Maybe you've been done dirty by the church. Maybe you've been done dirty by your family or your job or whatever, and you're holding on to that so tight that it's got you all tangled up, that you can't just let that go and embrace Jesus. So maybe you're in here for the first time and you're just kind of kicking the tires and that's okay. And maybe today you do just need to encounter Jesus. You say, man, I kind of want what you want, but I'm not there yet. That's okay. But my encouragement to you is don't stay there. Don't just keep coming and seeing. Don't just come, receive, and leave. Because if that's all you're doing, you're missing it all together. God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. He wants to transform you into something beautiful. So maybe you're in here this morning and you're realizing, man, that, that's me. I'm, I'm the rich young ruler. Guilty, right? I've been checking the boxes. I've been showing up, sort of, <laughs> you know? I'm doing the things that I think I'm supposed to do, but there hasn't been any life change there hasn't been anything going on in here that shifted my alignment to align with Jesus, to see the way that Jesus is calling me to see, to interact with the way that Jesus is calling me to interact, to be who God is calling me to be. None of that's happening for me. So maybe you have gotten kind of stuck there. And so my challenge and my encouragement to you is to open up, that there's more, that God wants to do more than you could even ask or imagine. God wants to transform your heart and transform your life. He wants to transform you inside so that it can bear fruit on the outside. So you can live a life like Zacchaeus more than the rich young ruler. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. 
You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.